Welcome back to the Worldview Minute. As we've been looking at both the problem in the world and the solution found in the person and the work of Christ, we identified that sin has impacted everything in creation. That's why we have entropy. That's why we have decay. That's why we have death, not just of individuals, but of the whole universe. God cursed the serpent, the woman, the man, and all of the cosmos, the ground, so that it would bring forth thorns. And so sin has this universal impact on on individuals, and on creation as we know it. And so the solution comes in that the heart of the problem is a moral problem. It is man's sin that must be dealt with. And so Jesus dies for the sins of individuals and and mankind. And as he does that, is he only dying to save souls? Often Christianity, especially recent Christianity in the last hundred years or so in America, has reduced the gospel to only the salvation of individual souls. And sometimes they've gone so far in that that they even argue that it is only a disembodied state that we are going to, which is contrary to everything that the Bible teaches as we unwrap here. But we need to make these statements as we work through this. The gospel, the good news of Christ dying for our sins and rising again in victory, is not less than the salvation of individual people. But it is certainly more than that. Just as the fall had a universal impact, Christ's work is having a universal redemption. Now, by universal, I do not mean that every single person will be saved. The Bible is incredibly clear about that. But that all aspects of creation are being redeemed, and that Christ is ushering in a new creation, a new heavens, and a new earth. And this is a theme that is found throughout the Bible, and we're going to touch on some key passages, not all of them, that that drive this home for us. Christ died for sinners, yes and amen, but he also died to reclaim what is his, that is this universe. Everything was made by the word and for the word, and everything exists for him. So we'll start here in Matthew 28. You know the passage. We've talked about it before. It's the Great Commission. This is the risen Lord. What does he say to his disciples as he's about to leave them, and as he sends them out? He commissions them. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So notice what Jesus says here. He's the risen Lord. He's defeated sin and death in principle at the cross. And what does he say to his disciples? I have some authority in heaven and earth. Or I have only authority in heaven. No, no, it's not what he says. The risen Lord says, I have all authority in heaven and earth. The alls in this passage are very noteworthy. All authority in heaven and earth. Command all nations in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And baptize them all. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And I will be with you always to the end of the age. So Christ says, all of this is mine. I have all authority in heaven and on earth. And because I have all of that authority, you can go. You can go to the ends of the earth, to every nation, and you can teach them everything that I have said, to obey, to repent, and be baptized, all the way to the end of the age, because I'm going to be with you always, because all of this is mine. I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Everything is under my uh, domain, my claim. Everything is mine, and I'm taking it all back. And the church is sent out as agents of Christ, redeeming and taking back absolutely everything from the fall. That's the Great Commission. It is not just, you know, preach the gospel and hope that individuals will believe, but it's based upon the claims of Christ, that he has all authority, therefore go into all nations to the end of the age, do everything that I have commanded them to do. 
This is picked up again in Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Again, we've, we've talked about this, but think about it in light of what we're talking about with the salvation and the comprehensive scope of salvation. Speaking of Christ, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. We'll stop there at, verse, at the end of verse 16. All right, Jesus is God. All things were created in him, in heaven and on earth. So whether visible realities or invisible realities, physical or spiritual, Jesus made them all, right? All of them, right? And all things were created through him and for him. So all things continue to exist for him. This is Christ's world, right? He made it. It belongs to him. Is he going to forfeit it to Satan? No, he will not. Second half of this passage. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So Christ is over everything, and everything is held together by the power of Christ. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in everything, not some things, in everything, he might be preeminent. So Christ is preeminent. He is supreme over everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, here's the key point, what did his work do? Through him, to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Notice this. These five verses here, 15 through 20, are often said to be an early Christian hymn. This is an early confession of the Christian faith, a distillation of what the early gospel was and what the gospel is today. And what does Christ's cross do? What does the blood of his cross do? Not just saving souls, though not less than that, that through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So all things were made by him. All things are held together by him. All things exist for him. All right, sin is, enters into the equation and there's this ripping apart that now uh, Christ comes to reconcile, to bring things back to where they were. And is he bringing things back just to himself in heaven or in heaven and on earth? It's clear. Through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, or on, heaven, or on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is again picked up in Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 9 and 10, and then 22 and 23. It says, Making known to us the mystery of his will, that is God, according to his purpose, which is set forth in Christ. So this is the mystery of his will. This is his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So what's, what's the plan of God here? Is it to just abandon the earth and we can all escape? No, it's that he's going to unite all things in heaven and on earth through Christ and through his work. That was God created the universe and it was good. He then cursed it because of sin. Sin is, has been dealt with. And now in Christ, all of those things are being brought back together under his headship. It picks up again in verse 22. And he put all things under his feet, that is Christ. And he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So all things are now under Christ's feet, and he is the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness that fills everything. All right, so what is the gospel? What is the salvation that is being brought into this world? It's that creation with man as its representative head is groaning out for deliverance. It's groaning for salvation, as Romans 8 puts it. And who can save it? 
No one but the God-man, Jesus Christ. And as Christ comes and he bears the weight of the sin of man, which is at the heart of the problem of this universe, as he satisfies the wrath of God, he is then risen again as the first fruits of the new creation, breaking into this world. Now all things are being subjected to his feet and all things are being united under his work by the blood of his cross. He is uniting everything on earth and in heaven. Everything physical and spiritual, visible and invisible is underneath Christ in his feet. Or as he says in Matthew 20, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. So when we think about the salvation and the, uh, offered to us, and we think about what Christ's work has accomplished, this should ring clearly to us. It is a comprehensive salvation. It is impacting all of creation and everything is being renewed. And that's what we're going to look at in the next episode. Where are we going to? What's the consummation? What is the restoration of all things? It is as heaven descends to earth and all things are made new. Right? We don't just exist in some non-physical state forever, but heaven comes back to earth and man will live with God yet again for eternity in perfection in Christ. And so we have this comprehensive picture that God is reclaiming all of the cosmos because it is his and Satan will have no more claim upon it. And man's sin will no longer ruin it and thorns will no longer infest the ground because Christ has risen in victory over sin and death and he is reclaiming the whole universe. This is what we mean by the preeminence of Christ, the supremacy of Christ, that everything is his and everything is being subjected to his rule for he has all authority in heaven and earth as its creator and as its savior. That's the beating heart of the worldview minute. So I encourage you to like, comment, and share as we continue to build this comprehensive worldview. And I promise you soon we are going to get to applying that to different realms of life.